You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. Culture Days in Kamsak, and true to form, the city of Kamsak maintained its reputation for being one of the most exciting places to be during the last weekend in September. I'm Kevin Power. Join me in the celebrations and four guests who spent time talking to me. I head into the kitchen with Corrine Brass, who is known for her bannock making. I help out when I can, but mostly Corrine talks as she's kneading the dough, and the conversation took on a life of its own as Corrine spoke honestly and passionately from her heart. Food was everywhere during this event. Baked goods, Filipino dishes, and even lessons on butter churning. Gerald Benicky is my second guest and has spent the last several years writing what has become two novels with characters and stories that are inspired by real-life events. Gerald has roots in the Dukabor tradition and shares some of that history with me. Similarly, Tanis Negrave also has ties to the Dukabors and is a proud member of the National Dukabor Heritage Village in Verrigan, Saskatchewan. My fourth guest was quite unexpected. Robert Severite was invited to the festivities to share his passion for traditional First Nations song and dance. Robert has raised his own children to appreciate these traditions, and he and his family make a grand entrance by performing. But what struck me most was what Robert had to say. I'd been outside speaking with guests when the performance began and rushed back in to record some of Robert's speech. Fortunately, we had a chance to speak one-on-one later. Thank you to Darlene Edwards and the devoted members of the Kamsack Powerhouse Museum, along with Nikki Lachambre for your dedication to the Culture Days weekend in your community and inviting me along for the ride. Yeah. I'll follow you around. You just kick me if well, I'm... Well, I'm just here. You kick me if I'm in the way. Okay. Well, this is just flour and bacon powder, and I always add a little bit of... Uh, Tender flake. Oh, Not yes. much. Right. I hear uh, that that's a, a secret to good. There's a, there's a lot of people that don't put the just, band, just uh-huh. flour and stuff, and it doesn't turn out like it's, okay. it's not, it does like. Not as flaky? No, it's kind of gummy and it uh-huh. stretches. But this way, if you put that, that ingredients in there, it helps. Right. Like it's not, you can have a sample of this one. I just took a little piece off the end, it was curled up. Now, before we get any further, you must introduce yourself. My name is Corrine Brass. Yeah, I live right on a reserve in Cody. I'm a language teacher. Are you? Yep. So you're teaching? The the Ojibwe, Sudo language. That's fantastic. I got a degree in the Sudo language. Did you really? Yep, I went to university. Is it a language that's disappearing? Yes, it is. Aha, uh-huh. so it's your job. I think to make we're, sure we're the last generation, my family, I think, that speak it. Our children don't speak it. Is that right? Our grandchildren. And how long have you been? Well, I, I'm guessing that 
your aunties were an influence when it comes to baking? Oh no, my Growing dad was. I was dad? raised by my dad. Were you? But then we were in boarding school, and then I married at a young age. Yeah. I was seven, sixteen when I met my husband, and he, he was a he was a leader of ceremonies, so I had to learn to cook. Oh. Yeah. So who did you learn from? My dad. Your dad. My dad. Yeah. And he taught me how to cook stuff and how to prepare right wild foods, wild meat and stuff like that. So right now you're kneading the dough and you're going to be making I'm making raisin raisin bannock. Raisin bannock. Fried raisin bannock. So is that cons- These ones were plain for the tacos. Okay. And is the fried raisin bannock something that somebody decided to uh, is know. it still it's, considered it's, it's, traditional? No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We right. have a lot of it, but so much of us have uh, have uh, diabetes. Yes. And this is not good for diabetes. But right. Can you take that? Yes. Mix baking powder. I don't mix salt or anything. Okay. Anything in my bannock. It's just like bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, ma- how many bannock are you going to make today? I made uh, four there. But on, on a daily basis in your regular life, how often do you make bannock? Oh, once in a great while. I try not to make it because i got to exercise if yeah. I eat bannock. Are you telling me bannock is fattening? No, it's just, <laughs> it just takes the sugar right up if you're diabetic. Yeah, yeah. So I exercise in order to yeah. keep it to keep it uh, to keep it at bay. Right. Because we never had any of these refined products when. Yeah. When so we what would have bannock originally been? It was foreign. Right. It was it's foreign. The, well, it's the people that came here that introduced yes. flour and that right. stuff. Would there have been something similar to bannock in traditional? First no, Nations no. We only had basic meats, berries, right? Water. And we had our own tea. So there what? was no sugars, but the sugars came in when the when the foreign people yeah. came around. Yeah. That's where we got all our stuff. Um, what what things do you make other than bannock that you enjoy making? Well, I make dry meat once in a while. Yeah, most dry meat I sit outside and dry it. So do you make, is there a, like a tent that you have to make when you're drying, drying no, meat, no, or can no. it just be done over just, an open just fire? Just a big open just, fire and yeah. racks. Right. Yeah. And where do you usually get your meat from? Oh, hunters. Last week I did a moose. We did a moose. You did? Yeah. We There's, did a whole moose. We cut it up and put, and put it in bags. There's nothing like... Fresh wild meat, huh? Yeah. Not at all like in the stores? Nope. It's different. Moose meat. We got a big moose. Right. That took a lot of lot of work to cut. And do you use all the parts of the moose? Not really. No? Take the meat off. But I guess uh-huh. long ago they used to use all the parts. What's the fascination with the neck? Neck? That, I don't yeah, think they no. have a delicacy with the yeah. neck. With the nose and that. Really? With the nose? Yeah, and the tongue. How many people live on your reserve? I don't even know. Really? That many that you've, you've lost count? Lots. Over 2,500, I know. 
Wow, that's that's pretty large. That's large. We have a big reserve. Right. So, are you known in Camsack for doing this? Do you make Bannock and bring it to town? No, just just here. Just here. Yeah. Just for this event. My daughter used to work in a bank, and uh huh. And I ended up losing her, and she used to make me make Bannock for people in a make Bannock for the people at the at the credit union. Oh. So they liked my Bannock, and they asked her if we could come to the fair here and. This is how we got to cook here. Right. It's every year they ask us to come. I am so amazed. I've been doing a lot of First Nation stories. Um, Where are you from? From Saskatoon. Oh, okay. Um, but I've I've just done a whole um, First Na- a whole series on the '60s scoop. Yeah. Um, which really broke my heart um, uh, to hear we about. We had a rough life. Yeah. Did we you- were still like like people say, well these these uh taxpayers, you know, we pay all the taxes, too. Yeah, yeah. We pay PSD, yeah. GSP. Yeah. In case we don't pay taxes, it's on a reserve. Yeah. Yeah, and they're yeah. all saying that, but all we never gave the mineral and resources up. Right. We never gave what was underground, only six, six, six feet or six inches below. Yes. To share. And who are the richest people here? We aren't. Yeah. You know, and they're always calling us lazy, but look at all the immigrants they're bringing in to take jobs from away from our people. Yeah. And as soon as you work out in a white society, it's different. Yeah. They'll, they'll say you're a thief, and we're all in the same pot. It must be very hard to fight those stereotypes. Yeah. It's almost like you don't have a chance. No, you don't. Like, I had yeah. to, like, that's why I work on a reserve, just to try now. Yes. our own language. Yes. This is my ex-sister-in-law. She helps me cook. Oh, she does? Where did she go? Oh, there she is. She knows how to do all the traditional cooking, too. Really? Yep. And is she also learning the language from you? Somewhat. Yeah? Yeah? I know how to read and write it. Wow. I've been... I've been... How long was I? Six... Six years I've been doing this. No. I was a teacher for eight years now. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't work one year when my daughter died. And uh, that's so important that you're passing this down, especially. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm raising my five grandchildren. Uh, that's and a lot of work. It is, but they're, they're okay. They're getting big. I trained them to be. Yes. Do they know how to make bannock? No. No. <laughs> I do all their cooking. You do. I'm amazed at in in First Nations culture how important the role of women are. Well, are you? You're the in, in, in our area, there's no there's no women that go into sweats because they're more, we're a very they're a very strict society around Cody. Yes. And my brother is the leader. He's right here walking around. Uh huh. The leader of the the the, the ceremonies, the yes. warriors lodge. I was in there. In there, they can't they can't speak English. They have to speak the language. Right. And can not, you can you be one of the fire keepers? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. 
On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. No, well, I cook. Yeah, I cook the firekeepers. Yeah. I, 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 did. I, I retired because my husband died. But I still go to the ceremonies. Are are and sit up during the night and cook. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so that's right. During the ceremonies, you'd be all night cooking. Well, yeah. Yeah. Making tea. Yeah. And uh, how often do you have the ceremonies? Uh, spring, fall, and the winter one. Okay, so you probably just had the, the fall one. The win- well, we're waiting for the leaves, though. Okay. We go by the weather. Okay. You mentioned that you went to boarding school. Was it? A, oh, yeah. It was one horrible. of the dreadful red- residential schools? Yeah. Priests and nuns. They're supposed to have been working for God. I don't think they were. Not the way they were treated us. How long were you there? Seven years. I was grade seven when I left. I was here from the most important years of your life. Kindergarten, so I, I ended up having a baby at a very young age, just so I could get away from school. Do you ever completely get over something like that? No. Like you always, it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Do you think an apology will make any difference, or no. has the apology? No, it doesn't. He's the Had, one. I'm sorry that you had to have that experience. It's bad. Today now my, my arms bruise up because they gave me a strapping rate. I was purple right from the back. Squirrel! What's on your arm? That's a tattoo. And what does it say? Karen. Oh, I looked. I, it almost looked like it said Kevin, and I thought, my goodness, when did you Karen. have time to tattoo my name on you? Is Karen. that your, Was that your daughter? That's when I lost you. I'm sorry to hear that. She was 42. She died a couple years ago. She had. She, she didn't listen to the, you know, foods. She never drank or did nothing. Just, yeah. just her eating it. Huh? She's gone to heaven. She's. My husband was home to take care of the oldest boy. Yeah. When I went to university in Regina. Uh huh. Yeah. What did and you say? I have a Bachelor of Arts. I went into okay. the university in, in, in uh, Sasuru language. It was called linguistics. Wow, I wish I could attend a workshop or something that you were given giving. No, we don't know. Well, just, I just work at the school, that's it. Yeah, the school that's on the reserve? Yeah. yeah. I get paid well, really well because yeah. I got a degree. Eh? Yeah. They have to pay me for and there's, they, they couldn't find anyone to teach the, the language. They, they kept me. <laughs> do you feel safest and happiest on the reserve? Yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a lot of crime and stuff, but yeah. nobody bothers me. Yeah. Once in a while they try to, but... The younger generation appreciate, or can they hear what you had to go through in the residential schools? Yeah, my, oldest, they... my oldest grandson asks. Yes. Yeah. 
You didn't lose any children to the scoop, did you? Ah, uh, no. You probably knew women that did. Oh, there was some, yep, that lost sisters and brothers. Yeah. They used to talk about how how they would hear somebody digging a grave in the night, you know, because they were going to bury somebody they had killed, you know. It was like that. And people don't realize that. It was a tough, a tough thing. Yeah. I, well, I can't even imagine. I would not even know what that felt like, except mm-hmm. it must have just been oh. terrible on the on the women that I spoke to, who were the chi- who were the children yeah. when they when they finally reunited with their mothers. The the well, and now what? that they're mothers themselves, they can't imagine having a child taken away mm-hmm. from them. Well, they took the parenting skills away from my dad and my mom. Yeah. Like, they, they, they referred to drinking after that because what did they have to live for, yeah. you know? They didn't allow lots of stuff on the reserves. They couldn't even leave the reserves. Sometimes they said my mom and dad couldn't leave the reserves. They had to, they had to uh, have a permit to go. They couldn't. How... How long do you have to knead each one of these? Just knead it dry till it doesn't stick. Oh, is that right? Boy, your arms get a good workout during this. Yeah. Just and like that, bread. Uh, what's on the stove there? Uh, it's a meat? It's a beef. Is it? We're making Indian tacos. Oh. Yeah, it's a, it goes with uh, lettuce, tomatoes. Well, I've come to learn and have great respect for the, the sacred meaning behind all of these stories and and I understand when the times aren't appropriate. Yeah. Um, He's very discreet about it. I hope people come out and turn out and buy our stuff. Oh, they will. And I promise you I'll be, already. I'll be buying some. Yeah. I think I'm going to buy the this one when you're making when they're done making. This it. one? Yeah. Oh, $2 a piece of meat, Sally. I know that I'm... Because flour's expensive. Yes, it's gone Ten up. 10 bucks a I bag. know it's gone up. <laughs> Even hamburger was 25 bucks. Oh, for... it's crazy. That's why I'm going to go get that moose made into, into sausages and hamburger. I got it all cut up. Well, at least my brother came. Yeah. What do you think about when you're when you're baking? Nothing. No. <laughs> I think of my grandkids. Do you? Yeah. I hope I'm. I hope I'm able to raise them till they're till they're little adults. And, I have know? a feeling they're in good hands with you. Oh, they're good. I have twin girls. They're gonna be seven. And you're teaching them the language as well? Well, I teach them basic words. I yeah. give them basic commands. Yeah. I got to try to teach them how to pray. To say a prayer. My one girl used to know. She forgot it. She used to say the prayer when I was gone. Mm. Yeah. My daughter used to make her say the prayer. What is the prayer? Just giving thanks for the day and how how you how the creator lends you lends you the day. 
everything to go right for health. Can you say the prayer in your language? I always say mine different because it, every day it's a different. It's a different prayer. It's a different prayer. Uh huh. Just it's always different because you're paying, praying for different things. Yes. Like good health and thinking that there's four stuff to a prayer. First, you in, you introduce yourself and tell the Creator you want to speak to Him. Next is you you uh, humble yourself. Then you ask for the prayer and the ending prayer. Right. Ending prayers where you thanks and here's where you make promises if you're gonna promise something. And do you do that every day? Every day in the morning, night, I pray that they go to bed and have a good sleep, have a good day and thank the creator if I went somewhere that that they watched the road and you know. Yeah. Because it's dangerous on the highway. Thank the creator for for not getting hurt. I really enjoy it. We have our own store up here. You do? Yeah. Makuri Market. Who's, when you say we have our own store? Well, the you, band. Kuri oh, you do? Band, oh, okay. Yeah. They have meat, bread. Really? They make bread there. They, they make the awesome raisin bannock. Are they open? Not as good as yours, though. Oh. Are they open today? Yeah, they're open seven really? days a week. Wow. It's a lot of work when? When you're a traditional person, yes, lots of work for everything. Everything's got to be right to a T. And in our prayer lodge, we don't say God. God's, God's too, too great for us to say His name. Yes. And, and, and they, only, they only say if it's a, they only say if it's a life or matter, like somebody's sick or the matter of death. That's the only time you can say his name in yeah. our way. So we don't talk like like I, I don't believe in these creatures saying God, uh-huh. God. His name is too great for anybody to be saying his name. Mm. Like so I know we're I know we're praying to the same God. But yes. But don't keep saying it over and over. So you use create you use creator. Creator. Or you up above the top. You up, you up above? Mm-hmm. Father up above? Yeah. Well, I'll make that. Okay. Now it's going to go in the fat, huh? Huh? Now it goes in the oil. Yep. It's canola oil. Canola, well. Yeah. We can, we're lucky in Saskatchewan. <laughs> we have no shortage, shortage of canola. Yeah, I know there's lots of Yeah. Beautiful, in the, beautiful to see the canola fields. Will you let me know when the raisin okay, is ready? I'll let you know when so it's I can, ready. I'm going to get some for my mum to bring back to Saskatoon. Okay. Yeah, mine stays, stays. It doesn't go gummy. It good. stays good. Okay. Well, I'll be back later today, so okay. it won't be too long. All right. Thank you. It yep. was lovely talking with you. All right. Now, my next guest here is Gerald Benicky. And you are a local author here in Kamsack. I am, yes. And today you have two of your books on the table. Tell me the titles of those books. What's that? Tell me the titles of those books. Oh, they're both, uh, actually, they're a continuation of the same book. What I did was I wrote the one novel okay. in my old 95 computer. It didn't uh-huh. record anything. Uh-huh. When I switched to my uh, laptop, new mm. laptop, I discovered I had 287,000 words. 
when I talked to Friesen Publishing, who I'd made an agreement with, they told him, no, no, no. You have to divide that into two. Okay. As a consequence, I've got two books. They're both promised land, except the first one has to do with uh, uh, the initial entry into the country and the difficulties that they found there. It's called Love and Hate. Yes. And the first one ends at the point where the family comes into the country, so the second one is called Home and Family. It has to do more with the, with the people and the interaction of people, uh, you know, and harvesting communal work, things of that nature. Now, these people would have been coming originally from where? Well, uh, the, uh, the, the, the primary figures in the book came up from the states. Okay. Uh, a lot of people in what became southern Saskatchewan came up from, from America, a lot of them especially in this area too. Yes. The Dukabors are prominent in this area, so they figure heavily in the book. Okay. And half my ancestral background is from the Dukabor side. Oh. My mother was born and raised a Dukabor. Right. And dad is German. Yes. And they get his, my great granddad came from Maynard, Iowa. Okay. So Maynard is the source of this book. It starts at Maynard okay. and then expands into, into the story from that point. Some of the difficulties that these groups of people encountered, a lot of it was research. So I had the privilege of uh, a grandmother who walked out of Russian exile because she was a Dukobor. They were driven into exile. Yeah. They walked out from Siberia, an area called Yakutsk in the yes. Siberia, right and they walked Yakutsk. to the Black Sea and then came over. Yeah. So they were driven, virtually driven out of there. Uh, my granddad, the consequences of that exile, plus the treatment that he got prior to uh, that, resulted in a fairly early death. Uh, I, uh, but the, he never got to my age. He died in his 60s, in his mid or late 60s. So I never get got to know him. He died uh, two months before I was born. But my grandmother lived with us for, uh, I, uh, I was five when she died, when she passed away. And I suppose it was a result of some of the difficulties they encountered there. I learned a great deal. And some of the events in the book are kind of a, a, a throwback to what she told me, uh, although I have them happening on this side of the ocean. Like the fire at the mill camp, the attack on the village, they all happened in Russia. There were none of right. those in this country. But she was a young girl at the time, particularly of that mill camp fire, and uh, she hid along with some of the other kids, otherwise they would have been... I wouldn't be here. She wouldn't be here either. Uh, they were, she was about seven or eight years old when that happened to their village. They lived in the southern part of Russia, I believe. It was called the Kars region, K-A-R-S. It was ceded to Turkey in 1917 as a result of the First War. But it was across the border from Turkey and Russia. And a lot of the invaders were Turks and Armenians that came in, thieves and stuff like that, and just raided the villages, took livestock, took whatever they could and then went back across the border. And so that's what they lived through, and I, I talk about some of that here. Some of the difficulties they encountered here as a group. Um, tell me about yourself first. Where, where, where were you born? I, I'm born in this immediate in the Camp Sec area. I'm really? About 12 miles south of here. Okay. 
in a town called? No, it's Camp Sackle, oh, my hometown. Oh, really? Okay. I was born on the farm. Yeah. It's my uh, uh, maternal grandparents' home, home site. Oh, my, yeah. My Russian Dukobor background home site uh-huh. originally was there. There's a story about those things, too. I addressed that in the book mm-hmm. and things of that nature and the, the difficulties they went through over here. Uh, basically, the lies they were told that never did materialize and uh, some of the abuse they took over here is talked about and a lot of the abuse that a lot of the people took over here I talk about because uh, it's not strictly from the viewpoint of one group of people it's a kind of a general statement of all people who suffered the same difficulty because I can honestly say from what I know that our community was an intermix of initially whoever was here previously when the Dukobors came, they were the largest single group to come to this country. In 1899, there were 7,500 of them came in four shiploads all at once. There were 750 acres, 750,000 acres uh, ceded to the Dukobors, and uh, they established 61 villages, old world villages. They worked it communally. There was a provision in the Homestead Act called the Hamlet Clause and it was given to the Mennonites initially who incidentally came from the same part of the world the Dukeborgs did for the same reasons and uh, so they applied it to the Dukeborgs when they came which allowed them to live communally provided if they applied let's say for 20 homesteads in a village they could live uh, in the village they could have their house in the village but they had to break the equivalent number of acres on the land they had that they would have had they lived out there. Mm-hmm. The Homestead Act said you had to build within three years on your land. You had to spend six months on the land a year. And you had to break 20 acres a year or 10 acres a year for three years. And then you could file for title. So they applied that to villages as a result of the Hamlet Clause. And... Uh, Along came 1906, and because some of the difficulties that they encountered with the radical group, the Sons of Freedom, right. uh, there were, I understand, out of the, by the time of the, that action, which was 1906, uh, there were over 10,000 that had come because my grandparents came in 1905. They were released from exile in 1905, and so were the others. Gerald, my next question to you is when did you start writing? I started researching the book. But I oh, mean it, writing in general. Oh, uh, writing in general. Yeah. I'd say the writing took me four or five winters. I'm just not sure. I had a herd of cattle that I had to look after and a bunch of land to work. Uh, so most of my writing was done in the wintertime. And uh, by that time, I'd had most of my reading and research done. So your writing began specifically for this for, book? Yes, for these for, the, okay. for this book. It was you started as a single book. You had prior to this? Well, I did a lot of writing, like letters to the editor okay. and things of that nature. Right. Most of my university training was based on writing and things of that nature. So I'm Oh, what was your training it. in university? And I taught history and English. I was going to say you had to have taught history. Yeah, yeah history mm-hmm. and English uh-huh. was my field. So uh-huh. I'm reasonably proficient in right. that, or at least I think I right. am. <laughs> um, my editor's freezing seems to think I am, yes. so I'm more than happy with the consequences of that. Right. And I'd have done this writing whether there was anything in it for me or not. Was it hard they for you to get, a, to get a 
um, a publisher? Yeah, yeah. I attempted a number of uh, private publishers. So I went to Fries and contacted them on a self-publishing plane and got a good response. So that's the route I went. Okay. And they've since helped me with a considerable amount of the, you know, the, the, the design of the book and things of that nature they did, the legalities and stuff uh, they knew about that I didn't. Mm-hmm. So Friesen finally picked it up? Uh, picked it up, yes, and they produced it. Uh, the first book was released, uh, I think, December 2nd, just before Christmas. Of just this past year? Yes. Okay. I didn't get it until just a few days before Christmas, uh-huh. my copies. And the second book uh, was released, I think it's listed as the uh, 5th of June. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get much until into uh, July. Okay. It took them time to print it. It's... it's uh, Boy, the pages are still warm. Yeah. And is Lots. there an e-version e- e of your book? Or any plans? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. oh, yes. Oh, yes, It's all on e-book, yeah. Okay, so where can that be found? Uh, you'd have to go to Friesen's website okay. to, to right. get that print in the name of the book and okay. my authorship and... You'll get all of the information that you want there. But here in Saskatchewan, is your book being distributed in any local no, bookstores? No, uh, the only bookstore that has it so far is the bookstore in Yorkton, okay. Coles Ingram in Yorkton, okay. and that's because I'm supplying them. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I do have a page in their new catalog that's just come out. I haven't got a copy mm-hmm. of it yet, and the book is listed there, which will glow, it'll go globally, I would think, wherever Friesen sells. And have it listed on Amazon, and it'll go crazy. Uh, well, it is on Amazon. Oh, it's on Amazon. Oh, yes, Great. it have to be, okay. because it appears in in Australia and UK. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I even had uh, one page where it was a strange language, and I searched the page for evidence of the site, and it was listed as Estonia. Oh, oh. So, <laughs> I'm sure it's in Germany right. because of that, but I have nothing in the way of sales, and so the promotion thing is the thing that I have to worry about now. I'm getting some assistance from Friesen's. Now that you've got the writing bug, any plans for a third? Uh, well, I have a third book in the works already, okay. but it's a kind of a different style for me because it stems from the first and the second book. Okay. Uh, where a young girl by the name of Carly Carlson runs into an unfortunate circumstance that was none of her doing. The book tells about the attack on, on the farm. Uh, and renegades who are dispossessed and because of the, the circumstance they find themselves in, their criminal activity was curtailed, mm. so they have to find other ways, and they're trying to do it by rustling cattle and stealing and ravaging the countryside. And her farm site was one of them, and she, in an attempt to release some of the cattle that are in the barn, which was set on fire, <clears throat> she's attacked by attack dogs and torn up badly. So, Such hard times. Yeah. We um, don't know from hard times nowadays no, in no, many no, ways, we do we? we Gerald, know. I want to say thank you for, for introducing me to, um, yeah. to a part of history that I don't know about. Yeah. Um, people now know how to get a hold of your book. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, hope that, uh, I hope that it gets well, a Well, I wrote it readership. for the purpose of being read, well, not for the purpose of uh, right. getting rich. Let's put it that well, way. No, because it ain't going to happen. No, well, but you know what? Not, I think that's probably the best intention when writing these yeah, kinds of books yeah. because you, it's people like you that keep history alive. I, I deal with these people that are in there right now right. In, in the story quite a bit too right? because well, they're part of the settlement. And, right. and I've got a few things I can say at the mic that would uh, reveal a lot to them. Right. And the research I found. Okay. Thank you. I, I, You're more than welcome. I, I'm glad. And now that people know how to get your book, mm-hmm. this has a global audience. 
people out there will start and they'll know how to pick it yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Gerald. Let's get back in there so you well, can sell you some more books. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. I've now nestled away in the corner uh, here in their room in Campsack, and I am with Tannis. Tannis, remind me your last name. Kneegrave. Tannis Kneegrave. Now, I understand that you have a great deal of information to give offer me on the history of this area, and you also have some insight into the Dukabor um, tradition within this area. Yes, I was born in this area, and uh, my mother's parents uh, were of Dukabor origin. They came in 1899, Uh and so that's the way I was brought up. Okay. And I've been very involved with uh, all the doings over in Verrigan. Right. Yeah, for a long time. Um, Now, when you say the way you were brought up, can you tell me a little bit about what it's like to be brought up as a Dukabor? Well, um, most of it, I guess, was ethnic uh, cooking, uh, everything that we had in the home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, the Dukabor precept is uh, toil and peaceful life. Yes. And the uh, life of uh, the, the welfare of the world is not worth the life of one child. Uh-huh. That's the way I was brought up. Okay, right. And so a lot of the cooking would and food would be Russian influence. It was, yes. Right. Yeah, like uh, most everything that we made. Although my uh, grandparents uh, left the community, my grandfather left the community quite early. And, uh, well, I think he learned his uh, uh, ideals. Uh, the ship he was on stopped at Cyprus. And the Dukabors did not eat meat. Okay. And they all became colorblind. Really? Yes, they all became colorblind. And he learned right away that he had to eat meat. Okay. Or have things with vitamin A in them. Yeah. Butter. Right. And so he, uh, him and his uh, wife, they uh, went, went that way. And when they came to Canada, they, he took a homestead almost immediately. Uh-huh. And I was out on his own, and he was also uh, uh, very adamant about the children getting an education, uh-huh. whereas the Dukabor community did not send their children to school for a long time. Okay. So all, all their five children became well educated for the time. Yes. The most of them had their grade 12. Okay. And uh, my mother... Would they be educated at home? Uh, no, no. They went to the regular uh, school. Yeah. In fact, my grandfather's homestead was about 12, 15 miles out of Kamsak. But when the children were high school age, he bought them a house in town. Yeah. So that they could get a high school education. Oh, right. They lived on their own. Like, my mother became a teacher. Yeah. And uh, her two younger brothers both got their grade 12. Right. So education was very important. Very important. important Yes, in my mother's family, in the Nadine family. Yes. Tell me about the the burning. There was a... Of the arms? Yes, the burning. Well, that was in uh, 1895. Okay. And it's after that that the Dukabors emigrated to Canada, thanks to Queen Victoria. Yes, and also thanks to the help of Leo Tolstoy. Tolstoy, yes. I drove through a town, uh, Tolstoy Road. 
Yes, uh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Just out of right, Oregon. Right. Yeah, and there's Why? a Tolstoy uh, cemetery too. Why did Leo Tolstoy? Um, uh, why was it so important that he helped the Duke of Orleans? Well, he was of Russian descent. Yeah. And I think he was a very intelligent man and did a lot of studying. And he knew the number of times that the Dukobors were moved from one place to another in Russia. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would move them to one place, figure the worst place. And they figured, well, they wouldn't be able to survive there. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, in a few years, they flourished. So they moved them to another place again to a god-forsaken place and they figured well we're going to get rid of them now and they flourished because as a community they were able to share the work and also everything else and and they were very good farmers and and, uh, I think Leo Tolstoy finally realized that this was the and they tried to go to different countries and no the countries wouldn't accept them but Canada did thanks to Queen Victoria and then even in Canada, uh, they first uh, I had five men come out here, and they were first going to settle around Edmonton. Yes. But the area was already settled by Ukrainian people, oh. and they uh, were very displeased about the Dukovors coming there. So then this was the uh, second choice. Right. And so you really couldn't snuff out the flame, no, no matter how... No, Why, I don't understand why the Dukabors, why, why there was such hatred toward, toward the Dukabors. Well, because they, they refused to take arms. Okay. And they were, uh, did, did not ser- want to serve in the military. And they also did not want to join the Russian Orthodox Church? Church. Right. Yes. Yeah, okay. because they, did, uh, they decided that God lived within them yes. and not in icons uh-huh. and in man-made churches. That's not such a bizarre philosophy. Well, nowadays, it's getting to be the thing. Exactly. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, not eating meat. Yeah. You know, becoming vegetarians. Yes. A lot of our people are still vegetarians still now. Right. Uh, there, uh, there were a lot around Virgin that were vegetarians. Most of them have passed on. But in British Columbia, there's still lots of people that have never put meat in their mouth. Now, there was a little bit of a split in, in within the Dukabor community. Um, yeah, and it happened, it happened north of where we lived. Like, okay. we live south of Thunder Hill okay. in the northern colony. Right. And uh, 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 they decided uh, that uh, uh, using leather and using animals for work and all this was... Uh, not their thing and so that's where the Sons of Freedom originated from but it was a split it was a radical group right in fact I knew some of them really I knew oh yes some of them were re- actually related to my mother on my mother's side oh, wow. and then they used to come to visit us from BC and they would uh, preach to mother about you know milking cows and having these chickens and, and misusing horses for work and all that and she would say to them, well, how did you get here? Yeah. How, how did you get here from BC? Right. Well, they came in a car on the highway. And she said, well, what do you think, uh, you know, who pays for all that? And why are there har- highways now? And why are there tractors now? And it's because people, you know, have found a better way to live. Because a lot of these sons of freedom just squatted in BC uh-huh. at roll ounces. Right. 
I mean, they never paid taxes. They did just enough work uh, to subsist, actually. Right. Do they still exist, that movie? Oh, well, this not so. They're not as visible now. Was that the group that had the nude protest? Yes. Right. Yes, right. Yes. Isn't it interesting that within many societies now, that there's all, but there's always um, uh, um, a radical group, group yeah. that breaks and off. And now, in those days, they were uh, actually the ones in BC were put in jail for a long time. Their children were taken away from yeah. them for all these nude protests and not sending their kids to school. Uh, and nowadays, I mean, this nude protest is the thing. Yeah. There are a lot of radical groups yeah. from all, uh, you know, all walks of life. Right. I mean, you could even buy a calendar that's totally nude. Right, yeah. I mean, they're nude ca- uh, colonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, they, were, they were foreshadowing well, uh, yes, a they, future way yeah, of life in right. many ways. They, they, they came before their time. Right. Were the original Duke of communities closed communities, much like we would associate with the Hutterite and the Mennonite? Uh, yes, there were, and there were lots in this area. Okay. But no longer like that. No, there's nothing here. No, everybody went independent. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. What is the deal with the Duke Gabor bread? It's very popular. Well, I think, you know, actually, because it's made in a pitch, which okay. is a, a brick oven, uh, I mean, the bread has, the recipe is the same. Right. It's just, I think, uh, the taste and the texture is different because of the way it's baked. Right, okay. You know, the heat is put into the bricks, all the coals are taken out. Right. And and then the bread is put in. Like in Verigan, we do about 30 loaves. Do you? Yeah. Do you have an oven there? Oh, yes. We have an oven inside a, a bakery, an original bakery. Is that all within the museum? Yes, it's all within yeah. the museum. I've got to. It's clo- I mean, I know you can make an appointment to go there. Yeah, but right now it's closed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're open from May long weekend to September long weekend. But our big events are the first Sunday in June is our, uh, uh, what do we call it? Museum Appreciation Day. Okay. And it's, we don't charge admission, but we do have a church service, and we do have uh, an ethnic lunch, completely ethnic lunch, that is made as a demonstration in the morning yes. on premises, and then we have a program in the afternoon. And then we have Peter's Day, that's June the 29th, which is just a service and potluck. Our big day is Heritage Day, the third Sunday in uh, July. And that's when we have a blini brunch. A what, what's it called? A, a blini brunch. And blini are like crepes. Oh, okay. Oh, that's very interesting because I come from Jewish background and it, that will be a blintz. Yeah, a blintz. Right. Well, you know, I think, yeah, a blintz is probably the same thing yep. as a very thin. Yeah. Uh, ours are made on yeast. Yes. And uh, what you call them, uh, lightly, they've got no fat in them. Right. Milk and eggs is all yeah. they've mm-hmm. got in yeah. them. Yeah. And uh, they're cooked in an oil pan. And most of the pans now are ones that you don't have to oil anymore. Oh, but you have to do cast iron. Uh, yeah. yeah, cast iron. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we serve them with uh, strawberries and with yeah. a whip and, yeah, and uh, Saskatoon topping. And they're a big thing. We usually get to 300 people that Ooh. morning. When does that happen? Third Sunday in July. Third Sunday in July. I've been doing that for 
close to 20 years. Have you really? They told me, uh, like, I've been on the board for a long time. I'm the secretary. And uh, uh, the recreational group in Berrigan used to have this Blinny brunch. So I, we did not interfere with them. We figured, like, that's they, that's their thing. That's what they do. So we used to have quass and baked potatoes. And quass is the cucumber soup. Oh, right. Cold cucumber. The, um, which the French call vichyssoise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is grated cucumber, a little bit of dill, vinegar to taste, and salt. And thickened with potato? No, no, not no the potatoes are on the side. Okay. They're baked potatoes on the side. Okay. That's what we they used to do for a fundraising. Well, it wasn't much of a fundraising because uh, the young people did not want that. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I've been talking to other people about this. Is there a concern that the younger generation just is not not picking up on no, these yeah, traditions? It's a very good concern. Like, I think I'm the youngest one really? at Varigan, and I'm 75 today. And Happy birthday. Thank you. Does anybody else know that? Oh, yes. We're, we're, uh, my uh, my friends are going to celebrate here this afternoon. I made some su- uh, uh, sweet tarts to serve the people that are coming. That's wonderful. Yeah, I got up early this morning. That's a big... 75's a milestone. Stone, yeah. <laughs> wow, you've been very quiet about that. <laughs> yes, and no, we don't have... Uh, I organize all the events in Berrigan, and it's, uh, you have to do a lot of phoning and a lot of begging to have people to come in. Yeah. Most of us are like 80 plus, and I just, you know, it's... it's we... Um, our uh, chairman passed away mm. sadly this winter, mm-hmm. very sadly. He was my age, and that's uh, too young. Yeah, I know. He had all kinds of health issues, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he was at the annual meeting, and we did not know that he was going to go. But anyway, uh, I promised him. Uh, in 2017, we're celebrating the hundredth birthday of the dome in Verigan. Oh, yeah, right. It's going to be 100 years old. 100 years old. And so I promised him that I'd be on the board and coordinate everything till then. So this is our promise, the board that's there now. And a lot of us, like the Berrigans from um, Yorkton, he turned 90. She's 87. They celebrated the 70th wedding anniversary. The Ver- Is that Pete and Laura? Yes. But now... But Verrigan was named after a Peter Verrigan. It was, But not yes. that Peter. No, oh, no. He, he's a descendant. He he's must about, uh, a distant relative. Okay, right. A distant relative. Right. Yeah, these people lived in uh, Benito. Right. Yeah. Okay, right. And actually, Laura's parents, uh, a father anyway, and his family came to Canada, and then they went back in the 20s to Russia with all their machinery and everything, and they lost everything because people swiped it, stole it. And then they came back, and Laura was born. While his father was over there, he married, and Laura was born in Russia. And she was one of the babies on board when they came back. Yeah. Hmm. And they were the original members of the museum in Varigan. Got a big... 
summer, early, late spring, early summer coming up next. Oh yeah, year. next two years are going to be busy. Yeah, and our um, the funding is not there, and our uh, I'm going to talk to you about that. Yeah, and what you call we sure need to fix the elevator. It's over a hundred years old, yeah. and uh, we inherited it from the weed pool, I guess. And uh, I mean, uh, I've had sleepless nights because I'm the secretary, and I do a lot of, uh, of fundraising and also apply for a lot of grants and stuff and uh, I don't know I said if I won the 60 million yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. where I put it yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> I know what I put it but uh, yeah although we're part of Parks Canada yes but I mean there's no funding there do you have national um, historical yes. designation yes we do yeah we, we sure like to you yeah. know get the younger people out yeah. like our daughter we only have one daughter she comes out from Ottawa to help me because right. I can depend on her right yeah right, right. <laughs> I mean she comes out always for July 1st uh, one year she came out for June and July 1st but she has to work also for a living <laughs> it's lovely to talk with you well thank I you I hope I get to see you in July oh, oh I hope you can come to the village anytime great but you'll be baking bread then. Uh, yeah, we right. should be, yeah, right. yeah. Happy birthday again. Oh, thank you. Let's get out there and celebrate. You're going to go back to the butter-making table. I will. I, okay. will. I enjoy doing this. I taught Good. school all my life. Oh, did you? So I was God a bag lady. The teachers. I, uh, I was a bag lady. Yeah. I always had projects going. Right. So like this butter-making second nature because I always taught nutrition. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there was two, three days for uh, the dairy products. Right. Butter baking was one of them. Great. You're a pro. Probably making your own cheese, too, huh? Oh, used to. No, don't, don't do that now. Right. Okay. okay. Thank you, Tannis. Thank you very much.
We recognize all the different uh, beautiful uh, cultures and uh, different kinds of people that we have living in Saskatchewan. And I believe that's what makes Canada such a beautiful country and Saskatchewan such a beautiful province. The fact that we have all kinds of people living together and uh, you know getting along and that's really awesome to see. And uh, you know, First Nations is uh, one of the cultures here, uh, really predominant here in Canada and, and in Saskatchewan. And in this area here, the people are known as the Solo people. But uh, I don't really care for that word because it's a French word and we're not French. Matter of fact, we're Ojibwe and Odawa from down east. Here in the Great Migration, the Odawa people, the elders, told the young people to come this way, head west. And along the way, they settled in Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and they ran all the way right to the Rocky Mountains near uh, Rocky Mountain House. There's a, a tribe of Soto Indians over there too, and that First Nation is called the Ochis First Nation. And there's Soto's too as well. Just a little FYI for all you people who didn't know. Anyway, uh, I'm here to share some songs, some dance, but we're gonna start off with the garden tree. Are the boys ready? Are they looking themselves in the mirror? Uh, those are my kids. They get that from their mother. Their mother likes to stare at herself in the mirror all the time. So, uh, anyway, like I said, I'm from the Cody First Nation, and these are my children. We're going to start off with, uh, we're going to start off with a little grand entry. Uh, when you go to Powell Country, you always, uh, they always start off with a grand entry during the powwows. And uh, the first thing they'll do is they'll have a, a grand entry and they'll be led in by the, by the men's uh, traditional dancers. They'll carry, the veterans will carry in an eagle staff. Uh, the eagle staff is our, our flag, First Nations flag. Before Canada was a country, our eagle staffs were recognized as our flags. And also, we had uh, our national anthem, which we call a flag song. And uh, it's not the old Canada one. It's uh, a song that uh, was composed many moons ago and uh, was designated as our flag song of our uh, nations. Also, a lot of the veterans that went into the war and fought, they came back and they composed songs for their fallen comrades that never made it back. A lot of them composed the flag songs and the veteran songs in honor of their fallen uh, comrades that uh, went with them but never came back. So, uh, in this area here, a lot of uh, veterans went and fought in the World Wars. And a lot of them volunteered. And they weren't, uh, a lot of them volunteered to go and fight for their future generations, for the unborn, and uh, a lot of them didn't come back. I know my wife's uh, grandmother lost, uh, I think, more than a few sons over there, and never made it back, and then, uh, you know, 
some of the elders came back and uh, well, they tell stories of those, of those wars and everything. But that's what makes Canada such a great country is that, uh, you know, we can uh, all live together, Saskatchewan, we can all come together, we can all live together in harmony and get along. And that's why I love living in Canada, Saskatchewan, and uh, I don't think a lot of us know how lucky we really are to live in such a beautiful country and such a beautiful province. Especially this corner of the province, right? Really awesome. Lots of good hunting. Where's all the hunters at? Let's see or raise their hands here. It's okay if you shop at the superstore if you want to hunt and eat section over there. Don't be shy to put up your hand if you're hunting for pork chops and steaks at the superstore. It's okay. You know what it's right? We just had a power here at Cody uh, this past, uh, what was it, Labor Day weekend? Did anybody, was anybody able to make it out there for a while? No? Y'all missed out because it was a really good show. We had, uh, I believe we had about 300 dancers and uh, I'm thinking about 15 drums. And uh, it was really a sight to see. If you guys ever get a chance to go to a pow go check it out. Don't be shy. You know, it's not like they're going to say, no, you're not allowed. You're not first nation. You can't come. But anybody and everybody is welcome to come to a pow uh, when they have uh, the grand entry. That's really something when you see all the dancers come dancing together, the different colors, the feathers, the regalia, uh, the beadwork. You know, it's really something to see because a lot of the dancers spend a lot of uh, months, especially in wintertime, creating their regalia from scratch. Right? They come up with the ideas and the designs. Their head and then draw it on paper and then they start uh, beating, you know, they start beating the outfits, the moccasins, the, the braid ties, and the chokers, the necklaces. And it takes them, uh, sometimes it takes them anywhere between 12 to 24 months to, to beat an entire outfit. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of hours that go into it and it's really something to see. So next time you guys hear from Powell, possibly in Yorkton or Regina or even Cody's here, uh, this is your official invitation to come on out. Don't be shy, you know, come participate. Come and watch and learn. And uh, even if you want to dance, you want to get in there and dance too, you're all more than welcome to do that during your travels. So the first one I'll start off with here will be uh, Tanisha. I'll get Tanisha to come on out. Tanisha is 14 years old. She's in grade 8. Nine. I don't do this, though. About four kids. It's kind of hard to remember all four of them, right? Nisha's in grade nine KCI. She really loves going to town school. Uh, she's part of the basketball team, the volleyball team. And Tanisha was my very first uh, child that I started dancing. I got her into dancing right away. Uh, she started off jingle dress dancing and uh, Eventually she progressed to uh, women's traditional because she's a young lady now and uh, she felt it was time to move on to a different category so Nisha decided that she wanted to dance women's traditional and the women's traditional dancers they represent our grandmothers and our mothers and our, uh, and our families right and everybody knows that the women are the true leaders right ladies? That's right. Just like me, I know that my wife is my boss, 
right? I'm not the boss, she's the boss. Whatever she says goes. And uh, just like the saying goes, happy wife, happy life, right? I learned pretty, uh, well, it took me a little bit of time. I can admit that was stubborn, but, uh, you know, like I said, women are the leaders of, in uh, our societies and our backbone of our, of our people. And, uh, you know, that's what Tanisha represents, our beautiful mothers, our grandmothers, and all the uh, beautiful women around the world, especially uh, our First Nations women. So let's have a round of applause for Tanisha. She's going to do a dance for you. We'll do two songs. The first song is a straight song, and uh, she'll do the stationary style. Or you know what? Well, you can do stationary style of dance. Uh, with, with all the dancers, no matter what category they dance, it's all about keeping time to that drum beat. And uh, it looks easy, but it's not. Right? Whether you're a women's traditional, a women's jingle, or a women's fancy, men's traditional, men's grad, men's fancy, it's all about keeping time to that drum beat and stopping to that drum beat. Right? And uh, so let's have a round of applause for Tanisha. It's the first song she's going to do, it's a straight song. And the second song she'll do is around that. All right?
Brief word, good. How sure. are you? Miigwech. Yeah, miigwech means thank you. That was wonderful. Thank I you. missed the beginning. I'm with Kevin Power okay. with Gas Culture. Yeah, that's what you were telling me. Yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. It, it was... I've not seen such a proud presentation from anybody before. Mm-hmm. Tell me where it is that you're from. First of all, tell me your name. My name is Robert Severick. I'm from the Cody First Nation and from the Tule River, California, Indian Reservation, California. Okay. That's, oh. where, that's where my father's from. Oh, right. My mother's from Cody, so... You've sung a lot, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I've been singing for well over uh, 20 years now. Right. Yeah, and uh, singing is uh, part of me and, and part of who I am. And uh, uh, it's part of my, my kids, my boys, you know, they're singers as well, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You're very proud of your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love them. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that I'm able to uh, travel with them and, and, and pass on something that will help them to be proud of who they are right because that's what it's all about right being proud of who you are and knowing where you where you come from and who you are right yeah yeah Yeah. they and and you can tell they love it you can tell that that they're learning a lot from you Mm -hmm. yeah i uh i moved here about six years ago from regina after living in regina for 12 years Uh and uh we started uh with the help of a lady from the cody first nation that worked in the health her name was Angeline Ferguson, mm-hmm. and she uh, she believed in me, and she asked me to help her start, like, a powwow group, right, for the children, right? And so we started up a, a powwow youth group, and we worked with the kids for about four years, and uh, what we did was every Sunday night, we'd have powwow practice. I'd set up my drum in the middle of the hall, and I would teach the young boys how to sing while most of the girls, most of the kids that wanted to learn how to dance were young girls were dancing at the same time learning too, right? So, uh-huh. and uh, I started a bunch of kids off like that. And uh, we now have uh, two drum groups here on the reserve, two youth drum groups. And we have uh, a busload of dancers, you know, and uh, we got a lot of kids that were inspired and wanted to be a part of that. And uh, because of that, we have a lot of uh New dancers, new dancers coming up, and we have uh, some princesses from the Cody First Nation. One of them is uh, Kiara Pelli. She was part of our dance group, and she became the Cody Senior Princess for the Powell Circle. So, All right. Yeah. So right. Are you a teacher on the reserve? Uh, not, not, not so like uh, pretty say like more or less. I'm a teacher of, of, of your song culture. and yeah. dance, yeah. right? And yeah. I, I've been working with youth for probably over 15 years now. When I lived in Regina, I worked for the YMCA, Tomorrow's Wise Leaders Mentorship Program. I worked with youth there, and I worked at uh, the Red Feather Spirit Lodge, you know, counseling youth there too as well. So right. I've been doing this for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What really struck me about what you said was the inclusiveness in, in the way the, that you said it. Yeah, I've not heard anybody be so welcoming um, and inviting people to come to a powwow to not yeah, be, you know, not be a stranger. That's right. I think, I think that's what sometimes what people think. It, that, it is, right. You know, you know and uh, more or less what I'm trying to uh, stress is that First Nations people, we're a proud culture, but we're also a beautiful culture, yeah. right? And we're very, we're very open and inviting, right? And that's a lot of my, my, my uh, mentors and my teachers you know, they, they taught me that as well as my parents, you know, to uh, always treat people good, you know, invite people to your home, uh, you know, give them the shirt off your back, so yeah. to say, right? Feed them, feed your visitors, invite people to your home. And, you know, that's something that I was always taught. And, uh, you know, just, just like, more or less, I just want people to see us for who we really are, not the stereotypes and the stigmas, right? You know, because there's, there's a lot of... Uh, 
there's a lot of that, right? No matter where you go, in Western Canada, Eastern Canada, there's a lot of stereotypes about First Nations people. And what I want people to see is that, you know, we're not all about that, right? We're beautiful, we're proud, we're, uh, you know, we like to share, you know, we're all about sharing, right? And uh, whether it's sharing our culture, sharing whatever food we have in, on our table, you know, to visitors, and, and just being open and, uh, you know, inviting and, and wanting people to know us for who we really are and what we're really about, right? You know, so... I'm not going to pretend to understand what it is to have to fight those stereotypes on a daily basis, but mm -hmm. I'm not originally from Saskatchewan, yeah. but every time I meet somebody like you, I feel so lucky to know that I can be included mm -hmm. and that that there are people that are on your side. Yeah, you know, yeah and that, for sure. And, and what, it is true what you said about Canadian culture, that we are, at the end of the day, all one. That's right. You, you know, know, we're all here together. Yeah. You know, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. We might as well, you know, get to know one each other, right? Yeah. And, and be accepting, you know, because uh, I, I think for, for the most part, First Nations people are accepting, right? Yeah. We're accepting of different cultures and... You know, we're, you know, like I said, we like to share, we're open, and, uh, you know, it's too bad that, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, how does the saying go? You can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and I'm, that's what I'm all about. I'm all about, about sharing and, and trying to break down the stereotypes and stigmas, right? And, you know, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, we got to teach our kids that, hey, you know what, we got to love one another no matter what color we are, you know, we all bleed the same color red, right, yeah, you know, exactly. and, we, and, and Canada's a beautiful country because of the multiculturalism, right, you know, and we have a lot of people here with all kinds of different uh, heritages and backgrounds and, you know, and uh, growing up as a kid here in, in Campsack, but not only Campsack, but in the big cities, I ran into quite a bit of that too. When I was a young boy in Saskatoon, I remember uh, the older boys, non-native uh, kids spitting in my hair, you know, just because I had long hair and braids, right? You know, so that's one of my my uh, most vivid memories of uh, racism, right? Growing up, and where they learn it at home, right? Yeah. You know, and I always stress to my kids that you know it's it's not good to hate people for for the color of their skin, right? You know, you always you, know, you can't judge them, right? You know, you got to be open, you got to be kind, and treat people the way you want to be treated, right? You know, with respect and. and uh, you know, just, just to love people for who they are, right? No matter the background or differences or anything, you know. So. Well, you've obviously done a lot of healing yourself because you don't impress me as the type of person that's walking around with a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, well, I try not to. It's well, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. You know, but uh, at the end of the day, you just got to forgive and forget and let go because it's no good to carry, to carry around grudges and uh, to, uh, you know, hate people, you know. That's one thing I was always taught not to hate, you know, and, and to love people and to forgive them or sometimes they don't know any better, right? You know, that's what they were taught, right? So, and it's hard to change that sometimes. You know, so, yeah. Thank you for your message today. Thank you. Miigwech. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created and hosted by Kevin Power for Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lottery's Trust Fund for Sport, Culture, and Recreation. For more information, visit iheartculture.ca and sasculture.ca. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There's no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time... <laughs>